0: You're listening to the best of the TomBernardShow.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant.
1: Who, me? me? <laughs> well,
2: if I'd like to really know scene, if I was married to a horror piece of shit.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you could just look at her license.
3: My
2: special stripe.
4: That,
5: <laughs> that was amazing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles.
2: It's not how you use them,
5: sir. (laughs) (laughs) It's really sickening
6: that anybody would
0: be into radio this much. It is un-goddamn-believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized
4: it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's why I drink.
2: or at the website
0: which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad Sean Bryant, Michael Bryant. Thank you.
1: Seeking justice for the injured. Brad Sean Bryant. Woo. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard podcast. Brought to you by Brad Sean Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we have, first of all, we have a Royal Rumble of an episode. Kicking off the show, we're going to go with, um, well, we're opening up the vault first of all, and we're going back to episode 583 with Greg Gagnac.
0: Really a little Richard Gere, Deborah Harry, yeah. American Gigolo, Call Me.
3: <laughs>
0: I love this song. I, I really do. I actually like that movie, and I don't know why, to tell you the truth, I like that movie, but I do. We had the original American Gigolo, you know. Who was that? Uh, Ric Flair. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the, the original American <laughs> Gigolo. I, I think he did better than uh, Wilt did. Oh, God, Wilt. He, really, he buying that
2: 20000 you know, I was uh, Jim and I come back. We came back from uh, from Japan. Yeah, and we had to make a. We had a wrestle uh, in Hawaii, and uh, it was on a Wednesday, uh, so we got in Tuesday night, and we had to fly out. They put us on early to fly out to, to Winnipeg, so we could make it by Thursday night, and they had us over to this bar next to the hotel, in a big room in the back, glass windows, and there was some fantastic talent in there that yeah. night, even though we weren't looking. No, you weren't No, of course not. And uh Wilt was there. Oh Wilt was there? He was there and we gotta spend some time with him. Not much, because he would he would uh he would look over at a, uh, some talent and walk out the door most of the time with two at a time. Sometimes three. And this guy is how old at the time? Oh God, I don't know what he he was probably in his mid to late 40s mid to late 40s i would think just still hitting the home run oh my god they were walking out two at a time with them then he'd be gone for 45 minutes and i would come back and he'd be there for about 10 minutes and <laughs> couple more a couple out again and, and he be- did this all night we, we stayed there till about three in the morning just so watching it
0: might us. be true yeah it might be true 20,000 might yeah. be true before the blue pill yeah
5: uh, there's a there's the man yeah yeah we never needed it back then. God, yeah, yeah, I suppose not. The real men, the real men. The real i real didn't need not. that. Yes, the real men. Not in the <laughs> ring.
3: No, no, you don't. Oh, no.
0: God. We're all distant runners, you know. We were in shape. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it
2: was? Uh, Fifteen seconds or so. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> distance. <laughs> a lot of distance going on. So, what are you up to these days, man? Well, uh, working on a project uh, uh, you know about the last couple years—a reality show with legendary athletes uh, in a in a setting, a casual setting in a speakeasy that David Brook, Brooks owns over yeah, in Saint Paul. Almanal. And um, hopefully, yeah. uh, with your participation, we're going to get this off the ground. And uh, is David going to be there? David will be there
0: because I'm a member of that club. But I, I, don't, I don't have my key anymore. We'll get you. A I got to get a new key from because I still I have a locker and I I don't know if I want to open that locker <laughs> because there's a, one or two boxes of cigars that have been in there for about five years. I'm sure the guys got to them by now. Well, Maybe I hope not. So. There's, there were also was about a case of wine in there. Perfect. Well, we're going to bring another case down there, so we're going to everybody <laughs> yeah. loosened up. So it's
2: going to we're going to shoot it on Sunday. We'll Shoot it on Sunday. Uh, sending it out to California to a company out there, uh, Craig Shoemaker. He's a mm-hmm. comedian, stand-up comedian, right. writer, very good. And his partner Nancy Mills, and she currently has fifteen shows on TV. And that is unbelievable. Yeah. Do you know some of the shows she has?
0: Uh, Tank Shark oh, yeah. Tank is one of them. Shark Tank. I think that's the big one. That's a big one. Yeah,
2: that, that show's huge. Yeah, she's done. Uh, she's done very well. So she wants to see uh, some footage see the characters right put it together and then if it's good they'll shoot a sizzle reel and she'll pitch it for us that's a great idea you've been working on this for a long time long time three years with it you know but it's so hard tom is you know to get into hollywood if you don't have that connection or the right person right uh i know this is a good concept uh i've been around the people and fans of all sports want to be that fly on the wall that gets those inside stories that they've never heard about the athletes. Right. You know, and it's not the it's not what happened on the field. It's things that happen on the road in <laughs> you know,
0: the locker room. Hey, you know. After a, the locker room. Brunzel was just in there a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. Jim. He's just a great guy. He was talking about Mad Dog. Yeah. I mean the behind the scenes stuff was just amazing. He told you the airplane story. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a most bizarre plane ride i've ever been on in my life no he he said uppers downers there was everything but he but, had everything in but this guy didn't know the other guy had given the downers or the uppers or oh. what he, well he was we we're, we're, no, we're, fly, were
2: flying to 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 omaha and uh he liked to play cribbage and he was sitting across the aisle from me and the seven passengers all we could take with the 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 wrestlers and he leaned over and he says greg will do me a favor tonight and I said, "Well, what's that, mad dog?" He says, "I want to wrestle early. I am meeting my wife's fi- or my wife to be her fiance her family." So I said, "Sure." So we get there, and he's hurt, and he's about fifty years old at the time, and uh, somebody had gave him a pain pill. Yeah, right. That's how the whole day. Started. That's how it started. Right. So a mad dog, once in a while, liked to drink a pint of whiskey before he went in the <laughs> ring. So whoever gave him this Vicodin. He chugged it down with the uh, with the pint of whiskey. With the whiskey. So he goes on the second match, and, geez, he wasn't out in the ring, but four or five minutes he came back, beat the hell out of this poor kid, and he's sitting there, and I said, what happened? I destroyed a kid. I have to get to this dinner tonight. <laughs> so Joe Dusick, the promoter, always had two cases of beer in the locker room. So he's had the Vicodin, pint of whiskey, and now he starts drinking some beer. So we're sitting there, and it goes a couple more matches, and there's an intermission, and then we're wrestling that night, and he's still there. And I said, Mad Dog, don't you need to get going? I'll go when I want to go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, I'll <laughs> go, go when so, I want to so, go. Okay, so we backed off. So we went out. We wrestled for about 45 minutes. There was an intermission in between that. We came in to get a cold beer. Nothing's left. Two cases. He cashed two cases of beer. I don't know what he did, but him and a couple guys did. So we went to the airport, and we get to the airport, and a cab pulls up, and here comes Mad Dog. He gets out, and he's wobbly, <laughs> right? And he's got a T-shirt on. He's got barbecue sauce dripping from his beard and on his T-shirt, and Steve Olsonowski is with him. And I said, Steve, what happened? He said, well, we went to dinner, and we he drank wine. He drank beer, then he drank wine. And then we stopped, and he had to get another pint of whiskey before he got on the plane. Oh, my God. So he, he was drinking that in the cab, so he was getting kind of wild. So I handed him a joint, thinking this would calm him well, down. He's got it oh. all going now. That's right. hey, no, Dr. I mean, Basham, you to soul, he never commented anything before. Yeah. <laughs> So this, so this,
5: it. is, so it's really like a pharmacy, wouldn't you? Oh you my to, God! Oh, got,
2: yeah, there's. I, I'll tell you another story here
5: in a minute, but you need a pharmacist to, to go along oh. with
2: you. Don't give him that joint. Give him this. Oh Christ! We'll Calm down, some dandies. So they get on the plane, and we put Mad Dog in the back seat. So he's pissed off because he can't play cribbage, and he's sitting next to Adrian Adonis, who he doesn't like that well. Adrian Adonis, there's a name. Oh, and Mad Dog is. I don't know what he was saying. to 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 uh, adrian but all of a sudden we're playing cards and the plane goes boom and the whole back end moves oh and we all ducked we thought another plane hit us oh god so we finally as we look up the pilots what the fuck's going on back there <clears throat> and here's mad dog standing all you can see is his back outside he had opened the door <laughs> Now this plane's at 7,000 feet. Yeah, we're at 6,500 feet. 6,500 feet. He says, I feel like flying tonight. (laughs) And the pilot says, get him back in. We said, well, I think he's going to jump, and we're not going with him.
0: Now Jim said he already threw a suitcase out.
2: Now he starts that. He gets Oh, it's afterward, okay. He gets wild like this, and he opens up his wrestling bag, and he throws out his wrestling boots, his tight, his jock strap. Everything goes out. And then empty beer case. Everything that was not attached went out the door. And then the pilot told us it was the only plane built that had chains on it to mm-hmm. hold the stairs. So they'd have blown off, hit the tail, and we'd have gone right down. Oh, yeah. So Mad Dog takes the chain that's holding the window up, ties it around his neck, and he's hanging out there backwards. Oh, it's so peaceful. I feel like flying. Oh, so the pilot's yelling at us to get him in. He says, we got to make an emergency landing. So we're going into Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and we see Ozark Airlines, runway down here, two planes held, police cars, ambulances, fire engines all lined up, and they foamed our runway. Oh, my God. And the pilot says, guys, prepare for crash landing. He said, I don't know if that door is going to catch or not. i got to put it down on one wheel. And Brent uh, Winger was our pilot, the Northwest pilot, and he took that thing in, and boy, just... Set us down, and we came to a stop. And here comes the police and the ambulances and the fire engines. <laughs> and we turn around, and all this foam would come in the back. And Mad Dog's got it all over him. <laughs> and out of, the, out of the plane he gets, and he takes off walking across the runways. That now the knows are planes.
0: He's walking in front of yeah. play, active planes.
2: So the police come and they say, "Hey, go get him." <laughs> You go get him. You got him. It's mine. He opened the door up there. So we ran out there. As we got to him, he turned and he cuffed us both, Jim and I. So we hit him back. And about that time, this jet plane went by. And it was so close, it blew us right over. Oh, my I mean, we God. We rolled in the dirt. And we just left him and went back. And he's still walking down the runway. So the police ran out there, and now they're trying to handcuff him. He's, I'll kill you! You. <laughs> <laughs> right? so they, they finally get him back to the plane, and they said, "We can either put him on the plane with you, or we can lock him up for the night." And when they said "lock up," he went bananas. So we said, "Okay, we'll we'll put him in here." The pilot said, "Put him behind me." And we put two seatbelts on him. One across here and here, so he couldn't <laughs> lift his arms. Good move. All the way back, he's looking at us. I'm going to get out of here.
3: <laughs>
0: so, Mad dog. Oh. Brunzel gets pretty whipped up at telling those stories, too. Jimmy's such a good guy. Yeah. It's funny because I didn't know Jim was so political. Oh, yeah. He's, a very, he's political very political guy. He really, and he always has been, he said. And I didn't know that about him before. I, not that I care, you know, one way or the other, but I just never realized he was so involved in politics. Oh, he really is. He's locked into Obama. He's locked into Obama. <laughs> locked into a,
2: where is he? He's over there somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, J- Jim, uh, I met him in college in 1967 at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And we had a, he had a class. They were doing a study. He was doing a report on the Kennedy assassination. Okay. okay and he really got into it and I mean he was calling the government and the, the whole oh thing my god and pretty soon they had they told him he had to stop really oh yeah he got some really nasty calls you mean because
0: he was coming in with conjecture? I guess <laughs> so. I don't know. I never wanted to get near him, though. So he got calls asking him to stop doing this. Stop doing it. He was kinda, really? kind of a warning. I should ask him about it sometime. God, I should ask him about. It. So, so basically, he's just looking in the assassination. In oh, JFK. he was looking. I mean, he was writing papers, and he was. Oh, well, that... Had, okay.
2: You know, he had a lot of lot of stuff, and had talked to a lot of people. A lot of theories. A lot of theories. So was he? A, was he a grassy knoll kind of guy? Yeah,
3: no. He was more of a. Goes, consp- yeah. No, there was yeah. more
0: of a conspiracy than that was what he thought, and and based what on what? So what was the conspiracy? Why did they want to kill him? Uh, that I don't know. I never got <laughs> into it with. Jim.
2: I'll ask Jim next time. Yeah, I see him. you have to ask him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've always been interested in it too. But uh, no, they were. He was getting some getting some calls. God,
0: that's amazing, isn't it? That is yeah. unbelievable. To get he should. He should write a book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it in his book?
2: I don't think so. I don't. He know. didn't put anything. In I don't book? think he did. Is I haven't he? seen his book yet. I've read some of the, the the things that he's put in there, and it's 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 all basically about the personalities and the and
0: the, in the right. some of the stories. Now we won't get deeply into this next one, but I see that your old friend and mine. Uh, jesse ventura is suing another oh midnight. god i saw that on tv today oh he's suing some, the uh the publisher the publisher now nah, it's their fault too
2: i tried to call him today i you called his lawyer jesse? david olson oh yeah and yeah. i was trying to get jesse to come down for this thing sunday oh if i'm going to be there he won't oh, come won't he oh god no well i don't think he'd come anyhow no he's, but, there's no money in it for him. no I need a personality. I mean, I mean, we got good personalities, but they want a character. I try to get oh, Baron von down there.
0: Baron's a great guy,
2: isn't he? But he's got a his granddaughter's got a uh, recital that day the same time.
0: Oh, really? Yeah,
2: but we still have JP Parise. He's going. Oh, he said he's going to make wonderful. it wonderful.
0: JP's a wonderful. You guy. know, he's going through some tough times. Yeah, that's what I understand. But he exactly. said he's going to he's be there. Father. For for our younger audience, Zach Parisi's father, JP Parisi, is one of the funniest. <laughs> not, he's so funny as hell. It's he's an, amazingly funny guy. <laughs> Just a great guy. He's got all the stories in the oh, world. God. I'm talking to him last week. He called me back.
2: 45 minutes. He's on the phone nonstop. Oh yeah. And he's he's telling me. I I, I said to him. I said, you know, I've been watching the wild here. Uh, what do you think of the coaching staff? <laughs> And he says, well, there is some good coaching.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is some good coaching.
2: And I said, well, and he says, well, you know, I am watching them play Pittsburgh. He says, and Crosby's on the ice. Oh, yeah. And they put the fourth line out there against Crosby, and they score a goal. So I'm going, well, one time, a mistake. End of the first period, right near the end, Crosby's on the ice. The fourth line is out there. Crosby's line scores again. And I'm going, now, if I'm the coach, <laughs> this is starting to sink in now. That's JP. Second period, Crosby's on the ice. The fourth line again, a third goal. Honest to God. And he said, then in the third period again. Now I'm thinking to myself, there is some good coaching, and there are some that's not so good. <laughs> but as an as a onlooker, I am saying to myself, I know better than
7: that.
0: <laughs> as an onlooker, yeah, well. Now, J.P., so he's going to be there on Sunday. He's in a, Yep, hopefully he is. Uh, he, yeah. he said he wanted to be, so. I understand. Absolutely. Yeah, we got him and Lopresti, and you know how that goes. Oh, Lopresti's another great guy. Isn't he? Lopresti's another really, really good guy. <laughs> I can't. Well, there's got to be one-year-old compadres come down there from the wrestling world. Well, we've got a couple down there. I saw, uh, there's a, uh, Steve Allen narrated a special called the, the I think it was the Un unreal story of professional wrestling came out in like 1998 Uh, and I thought it fascinating because everybody uh, was in that documentary Mm -hmm. except for Jesse yeah he was the only one of you guys that wasn't in that movie there's a reason for that (laughs) so what was it I mean unless you don't want to talk about it well he just wasn't that well liked by his peers that's what I understand from every guy I talked to he just they didn't like him
2: no I got along with him okay, but, you know, he was just a very into-himself, arrogant yeah, person. Yeah. And not as good as he thought he was.
0: Well, no, I mean, every wrestler I talked to said he was a terrible wrestler. Oh, he was. Yeah. He was terrible. But he had Adrian in there, and Adrian
2: really carried the match, and then Jesse right. came in when they had control of it.
0: Yeah, and Jesse was a good commentator. Oh, God. I mean, he's very no, good at he that. He talked talk. the people
2: into the building.
0: Yeah, he yeah. did. No, he, he got did. the
2: people in the building, and and, and you have to give him credit. I mean, he was one of the great talkers of all time. There's I mean, he no talked question. himself right into the governorship, right of <laughs> the, the governor's himself. mansion.
0: I, I one thing I, about that, uh, and again, Steve Allen was a great narrator. Anyway, it's no longer with us. But um, you look back now, and for our younger listeners, Greg's father, Vern Gagne, started the AWA. Um, back in those days, wrestling had territories. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was a mob thing. They no. just, had, they just yeah. had territories. It was pretty much like a, it wasn't really a TV deal. It was just a territory. It was just a territory. And I know. don't know how they figured that out, what you got.
2: I don't either. I know they had them. Um, uh, uh, my father started wrestling in 1949, graduated in 48 right. from the university, started in 49. <clears throat> uh, they told him he was too small. He had one I match remember. in Minneapolis with Abe. Abe, King Kong, Cashy. And in the front row was uh, Billy Bai, Jim Miloski, and Bud Grant, his three buddies. God. So at one point in the match, Cashy's kind of hammering on on Vernon. The three of them jump up, and Cashy
0: says, Sit down, punks. <laughs> and they all sat back down. <laughs> That'll, that's good. We'll sit back down. When you, when you look back now... I mean, what your father did was pretty amazing. It really was, Putting yeah. that together, the way he put it together. Yeah. I mean, if you grew up in the Midwest, it was every Saturday night. It was uh, you would Sunday sit down morning. And Sunday and morning. Yeah. I mean, you would sit down on the TV. It was just a terrific thing. I know Jeff Passel. Uh, he talked about the fact that he and his five brothers, after All Star <laughs> Wrestling, they were in their jockeys wrestling in the, in the bedroom. You know, everybody was wrestling. Oh God,
2: I hear that from more people. You know.
0: Yeah, ab- absolutely. It was just a, it was part of of our lives as young was. boys and young men. And the great thing about it was when you would have guys like The Crusher, or you know anybody like that had that certain. Delivery. Mm -hmm. Everybody would imitate it. Oh yeah, you know there was even a song called "The Crusher." Yeah, we played that before, haven't we, Andy? I think so. Crusher. How how does it do the Crusher by? Oh yeah, yeah, we did. Who does it do the Crusher by? I can't remember the. Uh, I think it was a local group. It was a local group.
1: It
2: was the Novas. The Novas. Ah.
0: (laughs) Andy, you are quick. Unbelievable. What I do all day? What do you got, Andy?
7: The barrel. Well, a lot is. of people are going to mistake me for Johnny Cash. <laughs> but I'm not Johnny Cash. I'm the crusher. Ray!
0: Do the hammer line. <laughs> Yep. I do the hammer line. No, I got to be honest. A kid from North Minneapolis, hand. a lot of friends out in the Golden Valley area, Robbinsdale, a hell of a lot of wrestlers yep. came out of Robbinsdale. You would go out with your buddies on a Saturday night. Have a few beers, and it was all that. Yeah. That's what it was night night after night, weekend after weekend. And I've talked to Greg about this before. Um, Hanging out with the fellas. I'm talking about the professional wrestlers Mm -hmm. now because I used to go to the gym with them a lot and get to know almost all of them and, you know, through the KQ morning show. But we, and you and I have talked about this before, that you were sitting at the bar having a ball. God, we were having just a ball with these guys. But then all of a sudden, there was just something in the air. It's time to go home. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be me, but somebody's going to get their ass kicked. <laughs> <Yeah, somebody, yeah. laughs> I don't know who it's going to be. And it, it never failed. It never failed. No, and they wouldn't no. turn on their own friends. So I wasn't in any danger or anything. I just didn't <laughs> want to be around to watch some stupid asshole, and that's what always happened. Some tough guy thought, "Well, I'm going to take on." Yep. No, you're you're not going to take these guys on. I'm sorry, but again uh, uh, my top weight was 341 and mike eggstrand who was who was hawk in the legion of doom the road warriors military pressed me in a hotel room in orlando florida no kidding i was like how is that even possible But back then, I mean, his biceps yeah. were as big as people's legs. Mm-hmm. They're just massively strong. But for some reason, guys in bars thought, well, I'm going to take a run at him. It oh, never what? failed. It never failed. It never failed. But God, it was fun
2: leading up to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you who got picked on more than anybody, and I could never forget why, was Larry the Axe Henning. Larry? And Larry is like 6'4", you know, 320 pounds. Oh, yeah. And he's telling a story. One day they're out at, uh, uh, God, what was the, the chalet out on Highway 55? Oh, yeah, the chalet. Sunday morning. On a 100? And, you know, a cents. lot of people, Larry wasn't too well liked at that time. Larry pretty oh, you mean the, by the public? Yeah.
0: yeah so Larry's he's got his family,
2: him. and they're going through the buffet line at the chalet. And this guy For starts sure. giving them on a Sunday morning. Give it a crap. Oh, God. And Larry kind of, you know, he'd give him that look and, you know, (laughs) kind of knock him (laughs) out. About three of those looks, and finally, he's near the end of the table, and he gets hit behind the head with a potato.
0: (laughs) Larry. Larry. Hitting the back of the head. (laughs) Yeah, the guy threw a potato at him. Oh, my God. Well,
2: that was the end of it. The kids and uh, his wife were there, and over he goes. He grabs the guy right through the door. Ba-boom, head first through the door and out in the
0: street. I just I'll, and this is on a Sunday morning. That was a Sunday morning. This is not brunch. Saturday night at a bar drinking. No, no. What in the hell? A, a, I I'll never understand. I understand when people got the liquid courage going. Yeah, or as my friend Kendall calls it, the loud mouth <laughs> soup. Loud. <laughs> <laughs> You're drinking the loud mouth soup, and everybody's a tough guy. Then all of a sudden, but a Sunday morning at a family buffet. I know. Isn't that something? It is something. I just. I mean, when you. Back in the day, when you would go out, you and Jim maybe hanging out. were well, there always people running their mouths. Yeah, there just, was. They, just we had there a, were.
2: we had a couple. I mean, they just they wanted to try you. Why? And you know, what? I don't know. We had a we used to have some Wednesday night parties around town. Yeah, uh, we had a, a good friend George Carilla who was the bouncer out the Left Guard. Yeah, and uh, we would call him and say, "Hey, the party's at the Radisson South," and he'd ship them all over there. God. And Wahoo Mc... uh... <laughs> <laughs> Waho McDaniels would make this punch oh, with uh, vodka, grapefruit juice, Everclear, and <laughs> about a thousand bennies he'd throw in there. Into the punch. Into the punch. Okay. <laughs> so we're, we're there one night... and Chuck Foreman is there and I love Chuck. Oh god, I love Chuck Foreman. He Forman. comes in and I said, "Hey Chuck, that punch, stay away from it. Right. Don't drink, you know, don't drink too much of that stuff." Well, Chuck drank two of them. Oh. And he's standing against the wall <laughs> staring. And he didn't move for two hours. I said, "Chuck, you all right?" And he just was staring. Nothing came out of him. But in the meantime, we had, there was two big bouncers that came in from one of the clubs downtown. And this one kid's about six foot five, almost three hundred, and he's he's built. And he comes into the party, and we had just got out of the training camp. Mm-hmm. Ric Flair, Patira,
0: Brunzel, myself, the Iron
2: Sheik, and Bob Bruggers.
0: The Iron Sheik. Oh, there's a movie out about the Sheik, now. You know? Is it really? Yeah, a movie came out. It's called The Sheik. Oh my God! Oh, he was a nutcase. Sorry. Anyway, go he ahead. started okay, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> the oh, drugs I, got to him. That might be the case. Yeah. So, this big bouncer is one afro-american kid sitting there a friend of ours and the guy says hey i don't like you and he grabs his shirt and tears it off just some guy yeah and i'm only about 185 pounds but just came out of the camp we're pretty and i said hey pal this is you know a friend of ours it's our party you know take a hike you're gonna make me oh god i said you know what you better you'd be better off kicking the crap out of me than my friends here so let's go out in the hallway so we go out in the hall, and he lifted his hand, and I hit him so quick. I didn't know I had this in me. Hit him on the chin. His <laughs> legs crumbled. He went down, and his head hit the floor. His buddy went to hit me from the side. Red Bastine knocked him out. Another one came running down the hall. Billy Robinson clotheslined him. And the guy got up, and we said, Billy, our guys are down. And, boy, he beat the crap out of <laughs> Our guys are still out, man. But they laid there till 4 in the morning. Really, and I thought, "Oh my God, we thought we'd killed the
0: well, guy." Well, yeah, if a guy hits his yeah. head on the ground, but uh,
2: you know, we we were really trained, and we didn't know really what we were, what we were. Yeah, you what, you're what capable we had of. become. I mean, we were pretty raw.
1: Best of the Tom Bernard podcast. Ah! greg gagne on the best of coming up next continuing on with the smackdown of clips we had Jumpin' jim brunzel back on episode 560 next on the best of
7: Well, Tom, I've been actually um, thinking and and writing over about four and a half years uh, just stories that happened to me and some of my buddies on the road. And I think of them and then write them down or I talk and do a dictaphone. And then uh, (laughs) my wife has been helping me with this and we've put together uh, about 37 stories. And the name of the book is called Matlands. And uh, it's my... Uh, two and a half decade career, God. telling uh, true stories Amazing. from the wrestling uh, road, <clears throat> and I brought a couple, two or three of them, to sh- to just let you have, and you can oh, you, you can take a look at it. The first one is probably the most off-colored
4: one. Read that one. Read that one. <laughs> well,
7: it is the Golden Shower, <laughs> and oh. and to be honest with you, um, I don't have an axe to grind with anybody, and. Uh, uh, there's Why not? not? I there, like well, grinding axes. Nah, um, that doesn't get you anywhere. Well, I suppose. Uh, and then uh, I, I tried not to incorporate too much sex, dro- uh, drugs, and rock and roll because it's a part of society, and I think a lot of people have been overburdened. With uh, that in various sports and yeah, wrestling's and no other, you know, d- no different than any other sport or sports entertainment, and we uh, had a different sort of band of gypsies that uh, traveled
0: you did from, from town to
7: town, gypsies. and it was uh, pretty
0: amazing. I mean, just taking along Mad Dog Vachon was enough. You talk about a band of gypsies. Do you know that he opened up an airplane door? That's not yours.
4: I know. I was just going to glance (laughs) because you're not reading it. Open up a door of an airplane?
7: Is that what you started to say? He
0: opened up the door of an airplane while they were in flight. Were you on that flight? No, but I I
7: was blamed for that. uh. (laughs) I like that. Can I tell you briefly real quick? I'd, I'd love it. Okay. We're in Omaha, Nebraska. We're, we're going to wrestle one night, and Mad Dog was sitting in the corner. He was a real strange cat. You know, he sort of looked like the Tasmanian devil, and he he, he was really different, but a wonderful guy and right. tremendous, brilliant right. in the ring. And uh, his son had been incarcerated in Montreal, his 19-year-old son. Mm-hmm. So Mad Dog was going to fly from Omaha to Minneapolis. And then get in the car and drive to Montreal and then drive back after he took care of the situation mm-hmm. with the son. So in the locker room, and you, you have to realize that back in the early 70s, before we used to fly everywhere, we drove everywhere. So a lot of guys oh were God. taking dexedrine, you know. And so I had a couple of dexedrine 15 milligram time-release spaniels. And that dog came up to me and he said, Jim, he said, you have any speed? And I said, yes, I do. I
2: have, Well, yes, I do. <laughs> I do, I do <laughs> as a matter of
7: fact. So I gave him two of these spaniels and I said, Maurice, I said, you take one when you get to Minneapolis and for your drive to Montreal and then take the other one on your way back. He said, OK. So he was nipping a little uh, Southern Comfort. And he this is what Sounds I found bad. out after he had he had taken both of them. And Drank a pint of Southern oh Comfort. It was on the plane talking with Adrian Adonis, who his real name was Keith Franks. So they're sitting at the back of the plane, and it's a seven passenger Navajo chieftain. And Maurice was becoming more agitated and agitated, talking about his son who's in jail. So Adrian Adonis gave him a Quaalude.
4: Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh.
7: So he took the what? Quaalude and washed it down with uh, uh, some whiskey. <laughs> In about 15, go. 20 more minutes, uh, Adrian didn't realize how bad off Maurice was. And he said to Maurice, he said, if it's so bad, why don't you jump out the plane? Oh. So he opened the door and threw his bag out. Mm. And they were at 6,000 feet flying at about 195 how miles that an really hour. How really happen? It's a non-pressurized plane. Right. The door will open. Holy crap. So, so what happened was, thank God we had a... a, a Northwest Orient pilot <laughs> scared to death, circled around, cut the speed back, and landed in South Dakota, and then kicked kicked Maurice off the plane. You to get off the plane. So I man. get a I get a call at eight o'clock in the morning that said. Jim, you're supposed to come down and see Vern right away. So I had no idea because okay. I I refused to fly the son of a bitch because it was a flying coffin. It's, oh, absolutely! You know, you fly at six thousand feet, and None so to make me. a long story short, I come into the wrestling office, and Vern says. God damn you. And I said, what's the matter? And he says, you almost killed everybody. And I said, what do you mean I almost killed him? He said, well, you gave Mad Dog two doggone pills. And I said, yeah, I gave him the pills. He said he wanted to drive to Montreal. Mm-hmm. And then he explained to me what happened. And so to make a long story short, that was one tale of Maurice Vachon.
0: I did not know he threw his But I knew he opened the door, but I didn't know he threw his bag. Yeah.
4: I guess he never found that bag, did he? Probably not.
0: Probably
7: didn't find the bag. What? There wasn't much in it. Probably a couple empty bottles, and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's probably true. Is that is that
0: story in the book?
7: Uh yes, it is. It is
0: great. Yeah, and in the books called Matlands. Matlands. M A T. Right? M A T
7: L A N D S. I I wrote a song called Matlands in 1980. Too. And then Springsteen stole it. No, a <laughs> matter of fact, I got permission to use his music. Oh, from Badlands. Yeah? <laughs> Okay. All so right. I wrote it, and I had uh, I, I don't know how many copies. I think I made a thousand. Co- and it was a picture disc. It had a picture right, of me on it. Right. And then the the lyrics were pretty much close to Badlands, except I made it to wrestling. Yeah. You know. Right. Uh, there was uh, one little. Uh, lyric in there i I said i don't want to be rich i just want to be free in the wrestling world that's a curse to me because you can never be free in the wrestling world because you're always indebted to the promoter
0: yeah well that's a fact and And that's
7: just about anything
0: that came that became a a real issue with uh with um like figures the little dolls and all that stuff that i know the wwe or the WWF at that time mm-hmm. had a huge problem with that because they were making all the money off of merchandising and not giving any to the wrestler.
7: Well, we had a lawsuit. Uh, yeah, you had a lawsuit, Ryan, right? Brian Blair, my <clears throat> killer re-partner, right, and I right. finally uh, sued my dear friend Vince McMahon. Uh, <laughs> and after you loving Vince, are you? After about uh, four years of uh, you know interrogatories and pushing back and everything, we like, oh, finally, God. the day before we were going to go to trial, he settled out of court. Oh, he did. Yeah, but according to, see, we signed a <clears throat> a contract. It was sort of a blank contract, and it said that you were going to get 23% of the growth, gross profits at, uh, outside yeah. of wrestling. He paid us 8% of the net.
0: Yeah. And that's what it turned out to be. 8% of the net rather than 23% of the gross. Yeah. Yeah, that's, these guys. And he's, it. you know, he's didn't having his some wife, problems. Didn't his wife just spend, like, an, an yeah. obscene amount of money running for the U.S. Senate. Yeah, thirty million dollars. Thirty each, million bucks. In two right.
7: tries. Oh, that's
4: right. She tried twice. Yeah, oh yeah my I do remember. And
7: actually, Linda is a, a very uh, intelligent, articulate, mm-hmm. uh, nice woman. I mean, I got along better with her than I did Vince. And Vince? No, Vince took it over from his dad, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And how was his dad? His dad was a wonderful guy. I never oh, met him, but okay. for all the guys that have ever uh, mentioned Vince McMahon Sr., they said he was the most honest promoter in the cities really? uh, throughout the mm. USA at that time. Hey, where's
0: Greg, by the way? I thought Greg was coming with you.
7: Well, usually Greg never misses an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> to talk. I know, but I waited out there, and I, I, he told me one thirty. so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 1.30. No, know, it's too bad, because I'd like to see Greg. I would Craig's too. You guy. know, we we talk to each other, and you know, he's been working on this uh, production of a right. reality show. Right? And it's, I mean,
0: is he going to do it?
7: Well, I think we're going to do it, but it's just a it's matter tough. of it's just, it's just tough, tough because place. you have to have the, your own money; otherwise, nobody will want to. That's exactly right. You know, it's hard. There's so many people out there that, yeah, it's a great idea, Greg. It's a great idea, but you need 60 grand to come up with for a sizzle reel.
0: No, that's exactly right. So he's still working on that thing. It's good because he really wants to do it. It's a great idea, actually. It's a really good idea.
7: Well, it is because some of the stories uh that happened in wrestling are just uh, people don't believe them but they're true
0: you know though and it's the easiest job in the world i mean i i cannot think of a job that's easier than being like a sideline reporter on the nfl sunday night game
7: i would agree do you do
4: you you know what the temperature was (laughs) during the game
7: that's right i bet you it was a little chilly oh i just wonder how much prep do you go through for each week i started i started on the flight home Prep. It's every
4: yeah. single day. Yeah. What prep? Well, they, they
7: gotta know what to say. God. It's uh, it's a lot. Just ad little. No, there's Just no get such out, there thing. Go,
1: hey, bitch. <laughs> hey, Bay. Hey, Bay. I'm
4: gonna start calling the athletes, Bay. Hey, See what they They'd probably be like, Bay. Okay, what's up, Bay?
0: God, one of these days, and not, obviously not on the air, but one of these days, I'm gonna find out who the biggest jerk in the NFL is from you. You are, huh? Yeah, eventually. Well, I mean, according to you.
4: According to me.
0: Hmm. We were talking about the NBA this morning. You want to talk about some assholes. Oh, those guys.
4: I think they're in every sport. Are, I think yeah, they're in every industry.
0: Is it because they're of the, the, the they coddling they've always gotten?
4: See, I think that's a huge part of it. I think it is. Exactly. Because from the time you show any promise at athletics from a young age, you yep. are deemed special, unique. You maybe be even our are, are route out of this life into the next. And yeah. oftentimes it's not just your immediate family. It's a whole extended group of people that are counting on you and building you up right. every single day and not letting any of the criticism seep through. So your picture of yourself is pretty high.
0: But, I see, I, in general... Uh, going through the sports. First of all, the hockey guys are all nice guys, except for one. Uh, Brad Hall's a prick. Uh, a, well, he <laughs> wow, is. Wow, there neat. we go. Oh, he's not a good guy. Okay. Well, I've never had any problem with, with telling people to their face, you're an asshole. Oh. I've never had any problem with that at all. Oh,
4: I dread the day you tell me that.
0: Yeah. So far, so good.
4: Okay, so <laughs> anyway, that's the one in hockey. The
0: one in hockey, because all the other hockey guys are nice people. Okay. Wrestlers have always been nice. I can't name one guy I thought was a jerk. In Can wrestling.
4: you?
7: You would know everyone.
0: You I mean, know, <laughs> now when they were wrestling, afterward maybe a little different with Jesse. But when he was wrestling, he was a good guy.
7: Yeah, I think I think Jesse was accepted as one of the guys. But he, Jesse was a total loner. Yeah, he he, yeah. he never associated with anybody. And it's a terrible wrestler actually. He was well, a good, a he, good performer, he, but a terrible wrestler. He was an excellent interviewer. Yeah, oh god, and he, he looked great the part. But yep. to be honest with you, he was a little clumsy and yeah, unathletic he in was. the ring.
0: He was absolutely.
7: You know, and he was a little tentative that he w- he might get hurt, but he was incredible because every word that he said, he believed, whether it was true or yeah, not. Yeah, he did. He believed it, <laughs> so that's why he was such I a mean, great that marketer. That continues
4: today. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: So wrestling, I never had any problem with any wrestling. Nick Bockwinkle, I remember one time uh, when I was working at WDGY, there was a there was a wrestling this goes way back i mean long long time ago so like the baron would call in and he'd go hey tom uh, i go okay well just i'll count it down from three and then you do your deal and so he would launch into his baron von rashke and you know, it would be great <laughs> so a lot of guys so nick bockwinkle hi tom i said hi uh I, nick yeah nick bockwinkle i said yeah nick he goes no it's nick bockwinkle i said okay nick bockwinkle I'll count it down from three, and then you can do your deal. What deal? I said, well, you know, whatever you're going to talk about, your deal. I don't have a deal. I am Nick Bachwinkle. I don't have a deal. I swear to God, it was unbelievable. Deal.
4: But it was, it was not a bad Bockwinkle.
0: guy. It was Bockwinkle. Um, and then, let's see, baseball, in general, really good guys. In general. The, the hitting instructor for the Twins is an arrogant prick, but other than that, Tom Bernansky, He's just an arrogant asshole. I mean, I've told him that before.
5: Well,
4: what? Why are you laughing about that? Because uh, I could, I have no such freedom, so I'm kind yeah, of that's like, You don't have such freedom.
5: I've guessed that. You don't have that Do you know freedom. Paul? Yeah. Molliter very, very
7: well? Molitor,
0: I don't know him really well, but yeah. he's a very nice guy. He is, he a, is nice a good guy. guy. Yeah, a really Paul
4: is a nice guy. man. He's don't a
7: huge go. Bruce fan, too. Uh, almost every, yeah. every show I've been to, he's always been back there with Bruce.
0: So. Oh, yeah, I could see that. So in the NFL. In general, the people that I've I've gotten in like you know the Dave Huffmans of the world and and Jeff Christie, uh, John Alt, uh, you know Mike Moore. They're nice people. Yeah. The NFL players tend to be nice people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Philip Wise is a jerk, but no, aside <laughs> from that, no, I love Philip. <laughs> yeah. right. But the NBA is totally different. I I cannot decide who is a bigger jackass, whether it was Tom Goliata or uh, Kevin Garnett just jerks
4: you know it, it, it's so interesting too because i think it depends on some people they treat very well and some think? they don't and so it's yeah. but but that that implies a certain amount of disingenuousness because yeah you know if you're you and you like yourself and you like people chances are you're going to be good to just about everyone
0: no. yeah that's uh, that's true
4: um So that's really interesting. But I I also think the thing about the NBA that's unique Uh is five guys on the court at one time. So Uh one guy, like Garnett, can change an entire franchise and can be the franchise. And by virtue of that, becomes immediately just this super huge star. Yes. Yes. To whom much is uh, – re- uh, on whom much is re- – you know, they rely on you a lot, and then you, they depend on you, and then they give you a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And baby you and connolly you. And yeah Now,
0: we've had two neighbors in the NBA. We've had two baseball players. Tori Hunter was my neighbor, and, and so was uh, – what the hell was his name? Johan Santana. Mm-hmm. And then Johan Santana sold his house to Al Williams from the Timberwolves, and Al was a very nice man. Mm-hmm. And then Luke Ridnour moved into the neighborhood. Just a terrific guy. Mm-hmm. Those guys were ter- All four of them were just nice guys. I didn't get to know Johan very well or Tori, but they were nice when you'd see him But some of these guys, it's just, it's just so bizarre. It's like, yeah, you're one. Like Kevin Love. What a douche.
4: It's such a shame, too, because honestly, these people have this platform. Right, with, right. Where they are interacting with youth, and they can be these great mm-hmm. examples, and... I feel like a lot of them just waste it.
0: Now you're both from the sports world. Did Kevin Love think when he was going to Cleveland that he was going to be the center of attention? No, because he's already saying he's leaving. He's already going to opt. He's already said I'm opting out. Did you know that? I
7: didn't know. that. Yeah, this, he announced no it today
0: that he's because they're not giving him the ball enough. He's going to opt out of his contract at the end at of the end
4: year. At the end of
0: the year. You're going to play with LeBron James in Cleveland, and right. you thought you were going to be the go-to guy.
4: Well, hold mean, come on. How many games have they, pl- <laughs> have like they played? Five.
0: Uh, nah, and you haven't gotten played. the
4: ball enough? You know, you, you guys don't even know each other yet, no, really. No,
0: But you're never going to be the guy in Cleveland with LeBron James on the court. Oh, it's not. never going to happen. Well, I that's just, just
5: strange. Just, it's just,
0: he's a bizarre human. I did see something funny that he did once, though. Alex was there, too.
5: Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was funny.
0: What was it three years ago, four years ago?
5: Four, I think.
0: Nick Swardson and Vince Vaughn are in town doing the, the Wild West comedy show. So we have we go to a party at the Chambers Hotel. We're all kind of hanging out. And Alex's friend's ogling Vince Vaughn. It was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> she was. But in any case, Kevin Love was coming to the party. And we were down in the lobby of the hotel. And Kevin Love was, what, 6'11"? Mm-hmm. Something like that. And An ice storm had begun. And he slipped onto the ice... And he went about seven feet in the air. It was and then crazy. crashed to oh, the... Crazy. It was just... Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, hey, my
5: hey, Professional Russia did that uh, 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that <laughs> sure. was not, not what's a...
7: It's funny. I want to mention the Hulk Hogan to you. I don't know if you ever met Terry Bollea. Not a bad guy. Okay. But yeah. he can be a real jackass to other people, too. Well, I know that. You know... Can I mention just a little you bit can about say him? Say whatever okay. you want. Well, and Jim. you know, when he came here in 1982, he had just made that Rocky IV movie. With right. Still on. yeah. And he was sitting sort of on the top of the world, and actually he learned an awful lot being in the awa with guys like yeah, nick yeah, and vernon and everything and i gotta tell you i he was real quiet i mean he was a real quiet guy and and never was never was any problem and i remember bringing him over to my house mm-hmm. i said i'd like to bring you over and you know we'll have a nice uh, steak dinner etc so and he didn't drink he, he'd, ha- he'd have coke or mm-hmm. tea so I brought him downstairs, and they were, they were watching TV, and my little son, Jimmy, who was, then he was about two and a half or three years old, uh, was sitting down looking at Hulk and ogling how big he was and everything. So, I said to Terry, I said, I'm going to go upstairs, and I said, I'm going to cook the dinner. So, I said, let me know if you he need, he need anything. So, about maybe half an hour later, I come downstairs with some more hors d'oeuvres, and my son, Jimmy the third, is sitting on Hulk's lap, and... My son had taken these little cheese squares and kept putting them in Hulk's mouth. And Hulk's mouth was like this. And he said to me, Tell your son I don't want any more of this cheese. you know." And Hulk's mouth was completely full of cheese. But uh, now there's the guy who changed.
0: Yes, he did. He did change. You know, That's very true.
7: And he, you know, in 1985, I have this Sports Illustrated, they had a great big picture of Hulk big facial picture and it had a headband it said Hulkster and it said sports top banana he made 10 million dollars that yeah. year and yeah. he was the highest paid sports figure <clears throat> unbelievable that
4: is unbelievable
7: best of the
0: Tom Bernard podcast I am a
4: real
3: American fight for the rights of every man I am a real American fight for what's right fight for
1: your life that was jumping jim brunzel on the best of finishing out this absolutely raw episode of the best of we go to one of the all-time greats jim ross jr back from episode 860
3: on the best of. Everything.
0: WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the new voice of Access TV's host series, New Japan <laughs> Wrestling. Play-by-play commentary being along, uh, alongside NJPW veteran and former UFC heavyweight champion Josh Barnett. That's a hell of a team you got there, Jim. Jim,
6: I'm here, but I can't hear you because of the damn music. Oh, there you
0: go. Oh, oh who has the music on? We don't
6: have. There's a, a joke on here, me.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, Jim. Jim, I can't. I can't hear the music. I know what happened. What happened? It's probably fine now. Okay, so you can you hear me now, Jim, right? Beautiful, serene, wonderful. <laughs> serene, wonderful the tones of Tom Bernard, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah thank you very much, Jim. No, great.
4: going to be all filled.
0: With great, Jim. Great to be here. Um, <laughs> Jim, i got to tell you. Uh, we just, I was just talking about you and Josh Barnett working together as a hell of a team. That's a great team, as a matter of fact.
6: He In makes me uh, look good, which takes some doing at this stage of my life. <laughs> and he's also very intelligent. And I think our, our broadcast will be a... Now, somebody are going to roll their eyes on this what I'm about to say, and that's cool. I think we're going to have a smart pro wrestling broadcast. I think we're going to not insult your intelligence. I think we're going to call what you're seeing and embellish on that, like calling a ball game. And uh, that'd be like Adrian Peterson carrying a ball and you're talking about the price of hot dogs on a second-level concession stand. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's a disconnect. So I, uh, I think that that's what we're going to do on Friday night, and I think folks are going to notice a difference and like it.
0: Well, I, I tell you what, I, I often tell a story, Jim, and again, uh, while you were hearing music, I was talking about you being a WWE Hall of Famer, and I, did, I want to mention something very quickly, one of your old compadres. Well, I don't know about that, but um, Bernie Sanders is in town today, in Minnesota, plugging for votes, and Jesse Ventura uh, offered his endorsement, and Bernie Sanders said, no thanks.
4: <laughs> is <laughs> really? that true?
0: Really? <laughs> that, yes. That's a true it's story. True. Oh it's a gosh. true story. Jesse said, well, listen, I'll endorse you for running for president, and... Bernie Sanders said, "No, that's okay, Jesse. I, d- I don't want your endorsement." <laughs> Poor Jesse.
4: Poor that's Jesse. Funny. I know he's not I mean. a very nice person.
0: Not uh, these days. I not, know to a big not to me. Not to me
4: ever. Oh,
0: he's oh, he's always been a jerk to mo- most people. He, yeah. he and I got along for a while until he became governor, and then it I don't know. It kind of blew up after.
4: Then that, he was but, the man, and Tom didn't like him. He was my broadcast yes.
0: partner for a while. Uh, oh, uh, I, in the I remember season, that.
6: Yeah. Uh, I have admitted and I'll talk about it this Friday night on The Voice Versus this big one hour interview that the Access is doing with me with Michael Chiavallo he asked me about why Jesse Ventura and I weren't more successful as a team because at that point in time some fans thought it was like a quote unquote dream team you know Jesse the body coming yeah, to WW yep. and teaming with me and all that good stuff and quite frankly I didn't get along with him well it was basically my ego getting in the way of common sense I was a little bit myth uh, that he was getting three times my salary, and I was doing about
3: mm.
6: four times the work. Uh, but that was my problem, and I admitted my problem. And so we underachieved. But I did never hate him. I also did XFL football with him for a while.
3: Well, I remember uh, so, that too. Yeah,
6: you know he's he's this kind of guy. You, you you can't get too wrapped up in his his beliefs. They are his opinion. So you let him have his opinion, and doesn't mean you got to buy into it. I. Hey, I, I had a lot of political conversations with him that were not endorsed. Like, he loved the conspiracy theory stuff all the way back when oh, we were yeah. doing wrestling. He's a very oh, God, unique yeah. guy, very intelligent, but we didn't see eye-to-eye on a lot of things, and, a lot, and I'll take the blame for that.
0: Well, Michelle Tafoya, who's with us right now, speaking of football, of course, Michelle does NBC Sunday Night Football. She's a sideline reporter uh, for that, that fabulous, the highest-rated show on television, as a matter of fact. Now, have you ever met Jim Ross? michelle
4: jim have we met in person
6: we might have met at a ball game somewhere down the road michelle i've always enjoyed your work and i think you guys do a great job i'm a i'm a regular viewer on sunday nights i can tell you that
4: thank you very much we appreciate it
0: no michelle you said that jesse was has never been nice to you
4: jesse no no he i
0: didn't i didn't know that well he ripped me me
4: well he ripped me on the air as a sideline reporter saying that I could know nothing about football because I never played the game. And he said, Cheryl Miller covering the NBA is fine because she played the game. But someone like Michelle Tafoya, yada, yada. So as he's on the air, on K-Fan, <laughs> ranting about me, nice. I called in. And they put me on with him, and I, I took him on. And he backpedaled, 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 backpedaled. And then I hung up, and he got back on the air and said, What a joke, Michelle Tafoya, blah, blah, blah. So he wouldn't <laughs> oh say to my face what he would say. You know what I mean? It was just, oh, and so I've never appreciated him. That's the that,
6: Michelle. That's the the latent traits of a pro wrestling villain.
4: Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> the, <heel.
6: laughs> the heel. You, tr- and you cheat, to gain your advantages, yeah. and then you deny the culpability of your transgressions. I see. That's a that's great wonderful. wrestling villain, and so that's what he. That's the, you got the pro wrestling villain treatment, unfortunately.
4: Uh, yeah it it didn't uh, did sit too well with me.
0: You might have to. I have to tell you that uh, going all the way back and, uh, in my life, I remember watching professional wrestling. Of course, Vern Gagne had the AWA in town here for many, many years, and that goes back uh, since before I was born. But as a child, sitting watching uh, Saturday Night Wrestling, it was just such a thrill for me. Because, for some reason, why do you think this is, Mr. Ross, that professional wrestling on TV seems so accessible to everybody? Like, like people can convince themselves, even though it's not true, they can convince themselves, maybe I could be a professional wrestler. (laughs) There's a connection there. You know what I'm saying?
6: Well, I think, uh, Tom, that it's just, I grew up as a wrestling fan because it was, we had three channels on our television and I was the only child. I lived on a 160 acre farm in Eastern Oklahoma. So I spent a lot of time by myself. So I was reading, I had a, my pal was a transistor radio. Uh, I read, I watched TV. I would do my chores but I liked heroes and villains. Everything right. seemed to center around the basic fundamental of good versus evil. I had no problem with that, and I still like it today, even though some wrestling organizations seem to think that's too old school. But good versus evil is something that we all encounter in some shape, form, or fashion every day in our life. Uh, you know, the, the visiting team on a at an NFL game are the villains, by and large.
3: Yes, And the home yes, team are the
6: fan favorites. Duh. And so you, you play off that dynamic to create rivalries. And it, you know, I'm a Steelers fan. So I every anybody the Steelers in Cincinnati, the Steelers in the Browns, that's a big deal in our household because I'm married to a nice Italian lady from Pittsburgh. I, <laughs> <laughs> shoot, I <laughs> There shoot you shoot go, moment, And I eat her cooking. I'm damn sure going to support the Steelers. I probably, I'm not. I'm smarter than I look. Thank God. <laughs>
0: Well, I love that. That was
6: part of the crux <clears throat> of a lot of that stuff, and the storylines were easy to follow. Uh, it was episodically produced. Yep. Uh, it was local. They were talking about things going on in your market, so all those things contributed to the success of, of that of the genre that's been on since on TV since the early fifties.
0: You know what I love, Jim, is back in that. Is there an element of that in New Japan Pro Wrestling? Also, I mean, obviously, there you got the heels and the good guys. But but is, I guess the well, interview the part of it.
6: Product, yes, has has a, has uh, fan favorites and villains. But the line is not as pronounced as it used to be back in the day mm-hmm. when Vern Gagne was competing against, say, uh, superstar Billy Graham.
3: Mm-hmm. Vern
6: was the fan favorite, and Billy Graham was the <clears throat> overbearing villain. Uh, no question. But the line has been erased a little bit uh, on, on that thing, I, I, I believe, Tom, because. New Japan has rivalries, right. it's more realistic, it's more believable, because they have rivalries for logical reasons, as opposed to having somebody in an outlandish costume, and uh, he's a villain, and you're over the top with it, and your everybody's watching is rolling, eyeball rolling. They, they present it a little bit more sane, to be honest with you, and I found it extremely refreshing, because we sat down with Josh Barnett, who was the youngest UFC heavyweight champion, And we approach it, and again, another eyeball rolling opportunity here. We approach it like it was real. We approach it like it was legitimate sport because we didn't want to insult the talent and we didn't want to insult the fans who are taking the time to watch it because that's what they want. They don't want to be, uh, they don't want to be duped. They want to have fun and suspend their disbelief and get lost in the story. And that's what we're trying to accomplish
0: and that's exactly what it is a suspension of disbelief in that one of my favorite parts is it, back in the day whether it was uh you know no matter AWA or WCW or back, back it was known the WWF back then but um the interview part of it when these guys would come out uh and not necessarily all of them in outrageous costumes but it was let me just tell you something. If this doesn't change, I'm going to call my attorney F. Lee Bailey, and I happen to know the President of the United States, and I'm going to get uh, George W. Bush in here. I loved that part of it as a kid, you know, the, the outrageous interviews. But then lately I watch the interviews on, on some of the broadcasts, and they're just so far over the top that, that it's hard to, dis- to suspend that disbelief.
6: Well, let me you tell know? you, here's the problem with today's interviews. They're scripted. Right. They're scripted.
0: They are, right.
6: You're given a yep. your promo the day you get you, the afternoon you get to TV, and you're given a three or four minute promo to memorize, mm. maybe longer than five minutes. And then you go out in front of a live audience with no net, you're expected to deliver that promo with uh, perfection. And, you know, Michelle does a great job, because, but she's thinking of, she's, she's our own copywriter. It's coming out of her mind. She feels it, and she, and she relays the information. These guys don't have the opportunity to be themselves, so they're they're a, they're an imaginary character yeah. that creative right. is giving them, and then they're giving a script, and then they're given the dawning task of memorizing their script, and then going out on live television and reciting it. And I, I would say that that's not a good system. That's a system that's bound to produce less than desirable results. What you heard and what I heard when we were younger uh, was ad libs it was extemporaneous speaking guys would get bullet points from their boss they'd go out and put it in their own words and that was what the magic that's where the magic came from
0: there's no no question about it and i loved it it was the only time i'll tell you something mr ross the only time i ever got along with my my uh father's father my grandfather my father's side father, the only time i ever got along with him was sitting watching wrestling with him on saturday afternoon or early saturday evening other than that, that gives
6: you I, that's, that's not a bad. That's a pretty good win, right there. That's, that's a win, I think, uh, Tom.
0: Exactly right. That's right. exactly right. I, that's I remember exactly the right. thing.
6: I was. I would watch wrestling on Saturday nights. It came on at ten thirty. It was the, the, the local news was the lead in, and in that market, wrestling got bigger ratings than the the local news. It's all,
3: <laughs> and so
6: that's I would great. watch it with my grandparents. So I would sit through Gunsmoke and Perry Mason, and then oh. the news would come on, and my grandmother. Would, would make vanilla ice cream, and she'd pop open a can of Hershey syrup in the can and <laughs> pour that chocolate <laughs> syrup over that vanilla ice cream. So for 30 minutes, we would have ice cream break. So I never got to freeze. Right. I had 30 minutes to eat my ice cream. Then at 10.30, the wrestling came on. At 11.31, I was in bed. So yeah, I mean, one night a week, was, it meant a lot to me. I got to spend time with my grandparents. I stayed up late. Uh, we loved the soap opera, the wrestling. My granny, when I started doing it, my granny firmly believed that the moonwalk was fake and pro wrestling was real. <laughs> oh, my and I, didn't God. Have
3: heart. <laughs> I love her.
6: I didn't have the heart to tell her otherwise. Why should I? She was happy why should you? And she liked it, so I, I liked her liking it. And so <laughs> I got those memories of my grandparents. Thanks to pro wrestling, believe it or not, that uh, I'll always have a debt to pro wrestling for because I, those are memories that I will cherish till the day I die. Oh, that's
4: sweet, though. That's really sweet.
0: There is no yeah. question about it. And one thing I had to tell you, Jim, because you can see Jim Ross once in a while wearing a cowboy hat. You can catch that once in a while. So one thing I've all, I always admired about Bum Phillips, when he was at a home game down in the old, uh, you know, the old Houston Oilers. At a home game, he would never wear his cowboy hat indoors. He said, I don't wear hats indoors. I admired that. I I really did admire his character.
4: I love that. His
6: mama taught him better. He'd say, my mama taught me never to wear my hat in the house. She wouldn't let me wear it in her house, so I'm not going to wear it at work. Uh, I unfortunately (laughs) have violated that rule of Bum Phillips, uh, not because I don't uh, admit to the the truth in the uh, hat in the house deal, but. I was going to show business environment, and that's what the yeah, boys well, didn't wear that was that was Jr's uh, uh, you know stereotype of, of, of Oklahoma. So now I wear the hat. I go to all the OU games. I'm on the sideline with a team, and you, you can just look around. and Somebody said there's a nice uh, about me. Uh, if they see a black hat on the sideline of an OU game, they take a shot. I don't endorse that. <laughs>
0: No, you You know, speaking of JR. I want to know where I can get JR's BBQ. j r s b a r b q . c o m. Where can I get some of that uh, our, our, barbecue our, sauce? Business,
6: our condiment business is growing. It's a, my mom always wanted people to eat her cooking, so mom made the, the barbecue sauce in scratch. My wife has been able to replicate it, so we haven't made a factory here in Oklahoma City, and uh, we make barbecue sauce, chipotle ketchup, which is sweet and smoky. And we make uh, also make uh, uh, jalapeno honey mustard called Main Event Mustard. It's got one gram of sugar and one carb. Oh. Really good. And like uh, we that. got them on online at www.shop.com. I just got cleared uh, two hundred plus grocery stores in the southeast. Called and uh, oh, it's called so what? They, oh, we missed we, you. They
4: cut out a little bit.
6: Uh, Ingles Markets, I N G L E S, but www.shop.com. It's where everybody can get it in North America and have it delivered to your house, and we appreciate the uh, the consideration for that. Quite frankly,
0: well, I'll tell you what, I can't wait to try it, Jim. You've always been I've I've enjoyed your work uh, right along. We're probably close to the same age, but I've enjoyed your work all uh, all my watching life. I love the way you approach it, and Josh Barnett is a hell of a catch too. You two together. Uh, got to be terrific, and if you're on it, I'll watch it, so I'll be watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. I can guarantee you that on Access TV.
6: That's very nice of you, very nice of you, uh, Tom. I appreciate it very much. And, Michelle, it was really fun being able to say hello to you on the phone. Uh, here today.
4: Likewise, right back to you. I, you know what? You, you, everything about you, all I need to know is that you take your hat off when you go indoors. I have newfound respect <laughs> for you, sir. Seriously, that's beautiful. Go. Well, Jim, I to you... wipe my feet. <laughs> <laughs> Even better, oh, he's just racking up the points. <clears throat> <Yes>. Jim,
0: <laughs> Jim, I want to reach out to you once in a while, check in on New Japan Pro Wrestling if I could. I'd love to have you back on.
4: Oh, anytime.
0: Anytime. I'd love to visit with you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your time today. Okay. Jim Ross, Axis TV's New Japan Pro Wrestling. He is so good at that. Yeah, AKA
5: is. JR. Yeah. You talk about also known as JR, JR yes, that's right. Jim. Mostly JR.
0: JR's barbecue
5: sauce. <laughs> What do you say, wweshot.com? Yeah. Talk about <laughs> a gold mine. They are going to make a fortune on this. I'm looking through I some of the pictures right. uh, in Japan, <clears throat> and they have uh, the wrestlers uh, all in their regalia. Uh, one guy's laying on his back, and they have a Japanese uh, ref. I think it's good. they yeah. love that sort of spectacle in Japan. Uh,
1: the wrestling itself, they oh. they'll, they'll actually like, love it. they have good uh, skill, too, these guys. Like, some of these moves there, they're doing are pretty tough.
5: Yeah. And he said something. Yeah. Uh, it's- he said something about the, the fact that, you know, these guys uh, have to be themselves. You know, if you look at the combination of being an actor and the athleticism that goes into this, I mean, these guys really have an incredible talent. You know, whether not no or not it's a sport or not, whether or not it, there's an element of, uh, uh, of, I don't know what to call it, uh, less than... Uh,
3: What's not, what what is happening? What a <laughs> this is...
5: But it, when you when you when you the, that sort of you know it's a, whether it's fake or not or whether you think it's it's not real right. that's not important. I mean the entertainment piece of it is an exceptional thing and these guys really should be commended all of them and when you think back I man they all have had this great personality and this great uh, ability to be great acrobats that's great.
4: It's starting to resemble the GOP
1: oh, hey. oh, oh. doesn't it? Yeah, they don't have to do oh, really. The GOP's only really Trump is the only wild. Oh call no, no, out no. There.
4: they're all calling each other names now. That's and, how it's know.
1: always been, though. No, attack think. ads and everything. He's
4: brought it to a different level. That is for sure. Yeah, um, it's gotten really nasty. All of a sudden, Trump's a KKK sympathizer, oh, Nazi an yeah, sympathizer. It's just gotten out there. Well, th- of I was th-
1: pro Rubio until he started doing that, and now I'm pro nobody.
0: Doing yeah, what?
4: Hitting getting back? down in
0: the dirt? Nah, he's been down in the dirt too. He really upset me by, by with all his name calling, getting down in the dirt with mm-hmm. all the other pigs. Yeah, that bothered me. I liked him until he did that. Yeah, what, now at this what, point, I'd rather just have no. What did he say
4: president. exactly that bothered you all so the much? The
0: spray tan thing and the small hands means he has a small penis. Yeah,
4: really. Come he never on. uttered the word penis.
0: I know he didn't. <laughs> but yeah,
1: okay. These clips absolutely took it off the top rope on yet another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you, as always, by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Greg Gagne, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, and Jim J.R. Ross. Thanks for listening, everybody, and you will... See you next week.